Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Jim McGregor. And I'm Kevin Crewell. Today we're going to discuss the brewing battle in PCs, or more specifically, the thin and light always connected PCs, also referred to as AC PCs. Now this battles between both the ARM and x86 architectures. Now we've covered the ARM x86 battle for years, and while the two always planned on kind of a head-to-head competition, ARM going after Intel servers and Intel going after ARM's mobile stuff, the battle has really been limited to skirmishes. ARM is slowly winning business and servers, especially at the cost of other risk architectures like Alpha, Spark, MIPS, and PowerPC. Intel and its main partner, Microsoft, pretty much all abandoned, all but abandoned the uh, smartphone market. And both architectures can be found in networking. Now, there is a brewing battle between both architectures in PCs. Now, we've seen, you know, some of these Chromebooks and lower-end PCs, kind of limited-function PCs in the past. But a few years ago, ARM, in partnership with Qualcomm and Microsoft, and some of the leading OEMs like Acer, Samsung, Lenovo, uh, and HP, kind of created this new market for PCs called Always Connected PC, or ACPC. Initially, these used standard smartphone processors with integrated modems. Now, the benefit was you got multi-day battery life, you got always connectivity between Wi-Fi and cellular seamlessly. But more recently, they've gone to more customized built chips for these things. So they're higher performance than the standard smartphone processors and really targeted towards the PC segment. Now, at the same time, Intel was promoting the use of discrete cellular modems in a variety of mobile PCs. Now, the two are really targeting that low-power, multi-day, always-connected capability with new products. Yes, ARM announced a series of new cores that are aimed at this high-performance segment. Although, specifically, they didn't call out the ACPC, but the Cortex-X1, which is a new high-performance core, is pretty much a custom fit for an ACPC application. There's also uh, a number of high-performance ARM cores, the A78, for you know smartphones, and and the Cortex X1 can be used for smartphones as well. But the always connected PC, where there's less limitations on power and thermals, is the perfect application for the X1. So basically, to combat the always connected PC, Intel's existing core processors were still a little too high power to really compete with the uh, seven watt. ARM products. So Intel has introduced a new processor called Lakefield. They showed it off at CES this past year, which is a multi-die 3D stack SOC. Well, we can call it a system on a chip, but it's just, it's a, it's a 3D stacked package. Uh, and that's also in the seven watt range. Lakefield though does use a, a discrete modem for LTE, but the SOC does have a competitive range of ARM based processors. Uh, for ACPCs. The latest ARM core will not likely be in the, like the X1 and the A78, won't be in new PCs till at least 2021. But the Intel part is available now, starting to ship in PCs this year. So the competition for Lakefield is really more the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8CX, but you know that's not going to last for long. We're going to see ARM counter uh, counterattack early next year with the X1. 
Yeah, Kevin, I find this really interesting because, you know, both companies are now targeting this big, little, or you could even say big, uh, little, bigger, or extreme, you know, with the new X1 and some of the uh, Intel cores. They're targeting this multi-core strategy on the processor side with integrated graphics. And, you know, I, I would I would imagine eventually they're both going to be using integrated modems, cellular modems as well. But, you know, as we've seen, sometimes it doesn't pay to integrate the modem. Matter of fact, Qualcomm's still not integrating the modem on their high-end premium smartphones yet. But we're assuming for 5G. both companies, yeah, for 5G, we're assuming that both companies, you know, will be targeting, they're targeting 4G now with LTE. We're assuming they'll both be targeting 5G with integrated modems probably as early as next year. Well, that's true of Qualcomm, but that won't be true of Intel because Intel sold its modem business to Apple. So there is no 5G modem that Intel could integrate. So it will have to continue to use a a separate discrete modem. Not necessarily. I mean, they could still buy a modem from Samsung or somebody else So there, or MediaTek. So there are other possibilities. They could package a modem in a 3D stack or in a, a system on package a solution, yes. But I don't think they would buy the IP and try to integrate it because most of the time the modems are built on a specific probably TSMC process or maybe Samsung process, and that'd be hard to migrate to an Intel process. A lot of the, the modem-specific stuff is hard to migrate from fab to fab. Yeah, and Intel did announce a partnership with MediaTek for cellular modems for PCs, generally speaking, not necessarily specifically for the segment. So that would make sense. Yeah, and I, I want to go back to uh, a comment you made about big, big, little, bigger, or, or whatever you want to call it, bigger, big, little. That's one of the points about the new ARM architecture with the X1 is that the X1 can be intermixed with the A78s and then uh, use uh, other little cores along with it. So you have an opportunity for, say, one big X1, maybe three 78s, uh, and then a bunch of what uh, what's the little cores these days, uh, 55s, the a- I guess? Yeah, the A55s. Yeah. Now, in the case of Intel, they've done a slightly different version. It's actually a pentacore design, one big Sunny Cove core, and then four of the smaller Tremont cores. So uh, while most of the uh, smartphone and the always connected PCs tend to be eight-core machines, four bigs, four littles, in the case of Intel, they've gone with just one Sunny Cove and four Tremont, so a pentacore solution. The goal here, and, and this is true of the X1 and the Sunny Cove core, is that the idea is that there are some uh, software, there's, there's some, some you know, a part of the software ecosystem that still needs one big, a big core to to, to execute. Uh, that they were running into, you know, the Andal's law situation where you can't paralyze everything, and there's always one thread that needs to be uh, lifted by a heavy core. And that's what both Intel and ARM are looking at. So having one core that handles a you start up an application, or, or when you first kick into an application that needs that single thread higher performance. And that's what ARM is the X1. And on Intel's Lakefield, you have the Sunny Cove core. And then for a lot of other workloads, they can use the lightweight cores, uh, the A55s from uh, Intel, uh, sorry, from ARM, and the Tremont cores from Intel. So you get this mix of uh, solutions. And 
Microsoft's getting, I think, better at scheduling this stuff. So that's uh, certainly one of the things that they had to learn from using Qualcomm chips is how to schedule the big little workloads uh, properly to get the, the maximum battery life. And then the one thing, though, which is sort of interesting with the Intel, is that the trademark cores and the the traditional, or, or say the standard Sunny Cove core, don't have the same level of instructions. Sunny Cove had AVX and AVX 512, which had to be disabled so that all five cores, the, the four Tremonts and the one Sunny Cove, could look the same to software. So unfortunately, you, you do lose some of the higher end streaming media performance or you know, SIMD support you get from AVX in this design. So there, there are some trade-offs here. Well, it'll be interesting also to see, I mean, we haven't seen these parts yet, so, and we haven't seen the systems. We look forward to testing them. But they're also using different manufacturing and packaging technologies where, you know, obviously Qualcomm is always going after the latest process node. They're on 7 nanometer now, and these new parts could be on 7 or they could be on 5 nanometer, but they're also using a monolithic die. Now, Intel has recently gone to 10 nanometer, which, you know, if you're looking actually at a comparison, their 10 nanometer is very similar to a TSMC 7 nanometer in terms of density. So that's probably on par, but they're not just using 10 nanometer or a monolithic die. They're using uh, multiple dies. So some of the stuff like the IO is going to be on a 22 nanometer and then they're going to be sticked. Yeah, uh, this is similar to what AMD has done with their heterogeneous solution on Epic, where they've got the IO die and a, a N-1 process and uh, the leading-edge CPU on the, the leading-edge node. And so Intel's taken a similar strategy with their 3D stacking. And I actually, I'm not sure if it's 22 or 14 nanometer. It's a, I've seen reports on, on both for the IO die. This technology is called Fovios from Intel, and it's in addition to the stacking of the CPU and GPU, in or, also to, to put the smallest possible footprint, the DRAM is mounted on top in a pop package. Now, one of the trade-offs there is that it limits how much DRAM you can use in this situation. And I think they, they actually, Lakefield actually maxes out with only uh, 8 gigabytes of uh, LPDDR4. That will be interesting. It's also interesting to see that the fact that a lot of the PC OEMs aren't betting on one or the other. They're going both ways. So we're going to see products, Samsung being the first to announce a product on Lakefield, but Samsung also has ACPCs based on the Qualcomm processors. They've done it for several generations now. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, and compare these side by side from the same vendor. Yeah, you know, there's one thing that seems to be missing from the always connected PC, and that's AI. And and certainly there's no specific NPU function in Lakefield, but the Qualcomm chips do have a D, the, the DSP and board as well for AI acceleration. But then again, both Qualcomm and Intel have the GPUs, so you can use those for accelerating AI. I think here the support for Microsoft needs to be better, and and that's maybe something that Microsoft should be focusing more on is making Windows more intelligent, adding more AI features to the operating system, as we've like what we've seen with smartphones, where both Apple with iOS and Google with uh, Android are adding more AI features to the operating systems. 
Well, and to your point, that was a key part of Intel's keynote at CES this year. I shouldn't say keynote, but press event at CES this year was the fact that they plan on integrating AI functionality into future PCs and PC architectures. So, yeah, I, it would seem that for the, the software is kind of trolling the hardware at this point in time, at least for Microsoft. Well, you know, you mentioned earlier about AMD. So where's AMD in this space, Kevin? Well, that seems to be a situation where AMD staked out high-performance laptops and a higher-performing segment of the notebook market. And it doesn't really seem to be ready to go after the 7-watt design, despite being in a 7-nanometer process. It's it's still a fairly small segment, and I think AMD is going for a higher uh, volume segments. And we've also yet to see AMD system with a modem, so there's no always connected PC for, from with an AMD CPU. But, you know, there was some time ago, AMD did announce they had an agreement with Qualcomm. We just haven't seen anything come from it yet. And, you know, pr- probably AMD twitches when every time we mention always connected PC, because we have mentioned it to them many times in the past. It just hasn't gone mainstream enough, I think, for AMD to put uh, enough resources into it. At some point in time, I think they will. But it's it's certainly not high in their priority list, I guess. Well, and they could add an interesting dynamic here, because as you recall, AMD's done designs both on x86 and the ARM architecture, although the ARM stuff really didn't go anywhere. They kind of dropped that. They could be an interesting player here, especially with a Qualcomm partnership. So it's I, I wouldn't. It'll be interesting to see what they do as well. If you guys have been following Tyrius Research or anything that we do in terms of our podcast and our articles, we're big proponents of the ACPC. It really is a phenomenal platform. It changes the way you use a PC, and that's what I didn't expect. The fact that it's so easy to connect and it's so quick to power on and and has such long battery life that a lot of times stuff that may seem awkward, like even typing emails on your smartphone, is just so much easier on an ACPC. So when we travel, we use these things extensively. Except that we haven't been traveling much because of the (laughs) the quarantine. So when we get back to traveling and we get back to going to conferences like maybe CES in 2021, the Always Connected PC is always with us because that provides us with the the best battery life, all-day battery life, and connectivity. I don't have to hunt for a Wi-Fi spot to connect to. And I feel more secure over the cellular network than I do over uh, many of these Wi-Fi networks. Oh, totally agree. Okay, well, we'll, we're going to be anxiously watching this segment. But uh, with that, I think it brings us to another wrap of another Tyrius cast. Please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem. From sensors to the cloud, this includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, merger and acquisition evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and marketing strategies. If you'd like more information about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly. I'm Kevin at Tyrius Research, T-I-R-I-A-S Research, or Jim at Tyrius Research. And you can also visit our website, www.tyriusresearch.com, our newly refreshed and svelte and quick-loading website. And please keep up with us on social media, our corporate account at Tyrius Research on Twitter. I'm also at Crewell on Twitter, and Jim is at tech strategist, T-E-K strategist, but that's a mix of personal and uh, business articles. So, And then our articles and podcasts are up here on Forbes, E Times, and ECT News, 
And uh, we have a number of white papers we've written for uh, clients and uh, they're posted on our website. So please uh, check those out as well. One other thing, we have a newsletter that comes out roughly monthly. And if you want to go to our website and you can subscribe right there and you'll get uh, a combination of a monthly survey of what uh, topics we've covered, what articles we've been we've written about, and you know what activities are we expect to be coming up in the next month. Also note that our Tyrius casts are now available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Thank you for joining us. If you have any feedback on this Tyrius cast or recommendations for future Tyrius casts, please contact us directly at, once again, Kevin at TyriusResearch.com or Jim at TyriusResearch.com. Thank you, and have a great and safe day. Mm-hmm.